Ryan Lindner had two sudden, unexplained cardiac arrests at a young age. This forced him to explore different perspectives from profound, life-changing events. Priorities change when time becomes precious. Problems look different when you have no energy left to give them. Ryan says, and I love this, if you are not living, then you are dying. Today he is going to share how you can start living every single day. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Ryan Lindner is a personal development specialist who has worked as a behavioral coach for clients and top organizations all over the world. After two sudden, unexplained cardiac arrests at a young age, he began to explore different perspectives with clients that come with any profound, life-changing event. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you on Never Ever Give Up Hope. The first cardiac arrest and then the second, and you're still hanging on to that hope. So I'm. we are very anxious to hear your story today. Let's start at the beginning. I'm going to read a paragraph that you said, and then I'd like you to run with that and just share whatever you would like about that first experience. This is what you said. I'm going down now. I said to a young woman a few seconds before the darkness, my first cardiac arrest. As I returned to work as a behavioral coach, it became maddening to hear for the 10,000th time about all-consuming everyday problems and misguided priorities while I was fighting to merely remain conscious. Wow. Take it away, Ryan. Yeah, um, again, as you as you read there, it, it was totally unexpected. Um, no family history. As a matter of fact, um, I've been in fitness, uh, nutrition. I, I was really passionate about that. I was even a vegetarian for many years. Um, so no signs. Um, and one day, you know, the only reason I'm alive is because luckily I had um, someone who uh, could, you know, give me CPR. So. Um, my second cardiac arrest was the following day. Oh, my word. Yeah, so two days apart. Um, and lucky for me, you know, I had the, the paddles. <laughs> I was in the hospital, so the, the paddles were available. Um, but it, it was really a struggle after that happened to sort of figure out, you know, much of my identity had been in 
you know, I'm this like coach and wellness and fitness and helping people. And, um, and since that was really the start of, of a different journey. Um, and I now have a more of a chronic condition where I'm, I'm basically dizzy, uh, 24 hours a day. So, and I've seen world renowned specialists, uh, I mean, uh, in fact, the specialist was a year-long waiting list to even oh my to see him. Um, you know, I've seen every specialist, and it's um, they can tell me a lot of things about what they think it is, um, but never a cause. So it's really um, uh, the best I can figure is some sort of electrical problem. How long has this um, been going on? Well, I've been uh, on this journey, I think, since my cardiac arrest for over 10 years. Wow. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's just been – I, I wish, you know, a lot of people think, you know, I, I went through that and suddenly I had this epiphany or this awakening. Um, as a coach, I, for some reason, I always kind of already thought along those lines. I mean, I devoured personal development. And, you know, you only live once. And I, I kind of already thought that. But I think what's different is most people, um, they look for self-help, right? And Or as I sometimes call it, shelf-help. And uh, <laughs> it's on the shelf. <laughs> and um, they, it sounds good sounds motivational you know a month or two goes by and they're back to their old habit exactly they sort of get caught up in the, the daily noise you know the daily you know, to-do list things like that for, for me if i don't have boundaries like real concrete mm. i get sick i get really sick i start uh blood pressure tanks uh clammy lightheaded super dizzy like i'm on a boat uh, just and I go downhill. So I have learned because I've had to to really mm-hmm. be good at time management and and really manage my what what is really important. And that includes worrying. It is is what we worry about important most of the time? No, it's not. Hmm. So I, I have learned to to let a lot of that go. Let's start with worrying. Well, I I grew up and you know I think of all my clients that I've had over the years and I had just awful, awful anxiety. Um, big worrier. So for me to make that shift was, was really a leap. Um, you know, very introverted, uh, you know, kind of a quiet natured guy, which some of my clients might be surprised to hear because, you know, in <laughs> professionally, um, professionally, uh, you know, I'm not shy, you know, professionally I'm, I'm fine, but it's really how I recharge my batteries and, and what drains me, what drains my energy. I mean, I'd rather, you know, sit outside with one of my, my animals here and just enjoy the <laughs> afternoon and go out for a, you know, for a noisy evening. Um, so yeah, I, I think, coming to terms with, um, you know, what am I going to do now? Who who am I now? Um, the, the worrying, I, I had to really become clear. Uh, and, and there's really 
there's one question I ask myself that I've sort of made a habit. And it's, what do I actually know about a situation? And for most people, they live their lives with mostly assumptions. So let me just, if I could just give you a 30 second example. Sure, absolutely. Um, someone cuts you off in traffic and you're, for, for most of us, we're angry. We are furious. We might say a few words, you know, <laughs> a few choice <laughs> words there, maybe a little yelling, um, you know, honk the horn, what have you. Um, now, what do you actually know about that situation? Now, if I, and I tell this a lot to clients is, now let's suppose you found out that the person who cut you off the traffic has the, a pregnant wife in the car who's like in labor. And, and would that change your opinion of the situation? Like he's racing to the hospital. You know, most people say, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Um, or let's assume that he just made a mistake. Just made a mistake. Um, do you ever make mistakes? I, I certainly make plenty. Um, when I make a mistake like that, I feel terrible about it. And I usually, oh, I'm so sorry. You know. Um, or number three is let's assume the person's just a, a jerk. <laughs> but what we do is we go on this like mental commentary for the next 20 minutes. This person's moved on with their lives. They're sorry or they're exactly. not. It makes no difference in the situation, really. But we live in assumptions. And when it makes no difference to the situation, we have this like mental commentary. And meanwhile, you've devoted energy to it. And that was what I used to be. And just the worrying and the constant dialogue in my head. But now, I mean, I've been wheeled out of places on, you know, I've had paramedics come for me. I've, I've, I mean, I've been in just some terrible, I've, you know, PTSD. Um, things like that. So it, it just, I've had to learn to say, you just me waking up and feeling good and having a day where I'm like, I'm not as dizzy today. I'll take that. And, and I really focus on maybe some of the smaller joys, you know, uh, you know, I've got, as I mentioned, I love animals, got animals, <laughs> a little zoo here. And I, they just give me so much, you know, joy. So I've had to get really clear on what, what do I think about and, and, and why do I think about it? That is so well stated and I relate as I'm sure many of my listeners will relate. My husband was in a car accident 30 plus years ago which left him with brain damage. And so every moment of every day is something that he basically thinks about because of the pain level for one. So I can relate in what you're saying, not from my personal experience, but, you know, looking through his eyes. And it is very real. And you are you have become extremely aware of your moments, correct? Absolutely. And it's not like, um, so, sometimes I put it like I, I, in the book, I talk about like, um, I feel like there's the, a, like a countdown. But I, I don't mean that like... Uh, my, I feel like my life is counting down, and I—I I don't mean—I mean I'm acutely aware, like uh, of my mortality. That's probably a better way. Of, I'm acutely aware of my mortality, and so it 
affects every choice that I make. And I think some people, when they get real busy and they're feeling good and they take it for granted, they, they don't necessarily think about that consciously a whole lot. So how do you make that shift? Someone listening to this program today and is relating to you, what would you say to them? How do they make that concentrated shift in how they respond? Well, for most people, it does. Now, it doesn't have to take this, but I'm just saying it often does. This is what happens is they get into a trauma and the trauma pulls them into a moment, like into the present. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like to you, you're not thinking about mowing the grass or <laughs> you're, you're just not thinking of all the to do list, you know. Um, so a trauma pulls you into the moment um, and, and you kind of think about your, you know, your life and uh, and, you know, what what matters. Um, not that it has to do that. I, I think it takes a, a catalyst a lot of times, but um, I think for most people, and anything could be a catalyst. It could be, you know, listening to, to this or a book or a, something you heard. Or, um, But it's about the daily practice of sort of shifting the habits. Mm. It's big, sometimes scary choices. Getting out of your comfort zone might be leaving a job that's been toxic in your life. It might be sometimes, often, scary, big choices. One thing that you said that I'd like you to expound a little bit more on, and that is the life-changing moments that pull you into clarity. Now, you've already addressed this a little bit. Just uh, address it some more, please. I think with my dizziness, again, I, I mentioned, you know, I'm kind of acutely aware, oh, you know, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I need to prioritize sort of the self-care and people interpret that as sometimes, oh, I must be miserable. Or, you know, I, I think, you know, happiness is often a, a circumstance, right? And I think as we go throughout life, you know, I am choosing things that allow me to explore my life and, and, and do the things that, you know, bring me joy. And I think often, and I've worked with a lot of clients in their careers who are just stressed to the max and working crazy hours. And um, mm. if we look at our current circumstance, it's kind of easy to, to get down and say, oh, God, I'm this is where I am. But if you really think about it, much of where we are is after a long series of micro decisions that we've made, sometimes over years. And sometimes, you know, it's going to take changing those decisions, as I mentioned, to kind of get us out of that. And I've had to make a lot of tough decisions in my life, and it could have been um, letting some relationships go. It could have been changing jobs. It could have been moving. Uh, I've done all those things um, because I feel more clear than ever, you know, just how, I don't know if fragile is the right word, but, you know, we have these bodies that we've been given and we're around people that we love for such an unfathomably short time. Right, right. And I'd rather, you know, to me, the choices are, are clear. What exactly is a behavioral coach? Well, a behavioral coach isn't a counselor where we sort of dig into the history of the problems. We're more about, um, we're more about changing habits and and changing current 
behaviors, you know, kind of in, into the future. So um, I've worked as a health and wellness coach. I've worked as a career coach. Um, I've helped and I've helped people through big transitions in their lives. Sometimes, you know, getting out of their comfort zone. A, a good example of that is, you know, working a lot with with introverts because I can relate, um, helping them sort of uh, align with their goals, overcome things, even like uh, stage fright. You know, so it's mm, yes, mental dialogue that we we have and kind of shifting that. Okay, well, that makes sense. I appreciate you clarifying that. Well, we are going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your book, but also some other things regarding priorities and problems. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never Ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. We've been chatting today with Ryan Lindner, and I really appreciate what he has shared so far regarding his own circumstance, but more importantly, how he is overcoming on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And he also is helping others, and I think that's what it is always all about. So I thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. And we are going to talk about your book, which is called The Half Known Life. But before we do that, could you, you have a couple statements here I'd like you to maybe expound a bit on. And this is what they say. Priorities change when time becomes precious. I love that. You've already touched on that. So anything else you want to share there? And problems look different when you have no energy left to give them. Another amazing statement, profound statement. And then you said, after all, marathon runners don't say much on mile 20. Oh, I love that. They choose to breathe. After all I have to give is channeled into each moment that I am awake, and I too choose to breathe. So talk about that, if you would, please, Ryan. To kind of expand a little, um, when I first, when, when I had my cardiac arrest, um, I was back at work five days later. Wow. Oh, um, my goodness. I didn't talk to um, I... At the time, it, it, I, I had just started a just a wonderful uh, coaching contract uh, uh, for the military, actually, and I did not have paid time off at the time, and so uh, you know, with all the medical bills, it, it just it was it was a financial need. But I just remember sitting there listening to a client and she was explaining, you know, why the previous week was so difficult and all the little problems she has, things like that. And I remember that I was like teetering on consciousness 
um, which kind of was my norm for for several years. Um, you know, I was hooked up to some wires. It was a uh, uh, virtual coaching. She couldn't see me at the time. It was a tele over the phone, and uh, I'm hooked to all these wires, and I just thought. Her, her problems just sounded so different because all I was thinking about was just, you know, because to me, if I lost consciousness, which is totally frightening. Of um, course, of course. Control and I, I didn't know what would happen because obviously, you know, a couple of days prior, I just had, you know, some some cardiac events. And um, and I did have a, a pacemaker installed. I should should add that. But um, I, I, I want to circle back to something I said earlier, which is like when you're in the ICU, you're not thinking about, you know, <laughs> mowing the grass or anything <laughs> like that. But I, I think it's important to understand that to-do list will always be there, right? And we always kind of rush through it. Right, so I approach right. each day like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I can do today. And that's fine. And then tomorrow I'll do the same. And the next day I'll do the same. And it's no longer so much of a rush to get through these things because you know, for parents out there, parents and homeowners and stuff like that, it, it, the, the stuff, you, especially as a parent, it, it just never, never ends, right? So, you know, each day you just take it as it comes. So, so, you, so you learn to, you learn to let go. You learn to let go. Prioritizing. Force prioritizing. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So now tell us about your book. Who should, who should read it? What type of book is it, and anything else? It's not a typical self-help. Um, so it's more of a, a, a tool for exploration is the way I look at it. And the quote, actually, um, or the, the half-known life, it actually comes from uh, a quote from Moby Dick. It's like, um, you know, I've, I think back of all the clients I've had, and I've had CEOs, you know, executives, military generals, all kinds of things. I've had a psychologist once, and I was like, psychologist? Why? I thought I thought they were, and I realized we're all just people, and we're all going through something. And no matter how smart you are, and I've had some, I've worked with some super super smart people. No matter how smart you are, you know, we can't always see ourselves. We can't right. always see ourselves. And so you asked me earlier, like, what would you say to people who want to change? Well, I think that's a good place to start is what are your blind spots? And that's really the purpose of the book is to ask the right questions so that you're exploring kind of in your own head. Um, and I think what's different is it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's, it's, it's honest, right? And mm -hmm. it's from the perspective of someone who is in the constant they're going through in the case of what I did not not knowing is this next moment you know kind of my last and when you look at a lot of self-help out there a lot of it is very sort of academic where it's you know you have an ex an expert or a guru or something um, I think this might be different in that you know I work a lot with introverts I'm an introvert I I have gone through the experience that I often help with. So not a typical self-help, but one that I think is for open-minded people who really want to explore uh, kind of within themselves. I appreciate that. And I also am wondering 
how do you handle fear? Because I think that is something that people may be thinking about as they're listening to this and, and they are in precarious situations in their own lives. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think there's maybe different degrees of fear there. Like um, I'll use an example I used earlier, fear of like public speaking. That's one fear. And then you've got sort of the fear of, well, and, and uh, uh, you know, death in, in other cases. Um, but I think a fear that people can wrap their head around, um, you know, sort of an everyday fear is sort of that anxiety, the public speaking. The, right, right. I think most people treat it as something that must be overcome or fixed. So therefore, there must be something wrong because uh, I got to fix it. And so we hear advice. You know, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, just picture people in their underwear, or like, you know, or like uh-huh, uh-huh. some crazy advice. Um, and there's some good tips out there, but I think for me, once, I mean, I had it really bad. I mean, I would actually sweat through my shirt. It was that bad. Oh my like, it word. Was bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad. And now it, it really doesn't bother me at all. And it's because it's, it all starts with your self dialogue. It really does. And I, I say, you know what, maybe I'll treat some myself as like somebody maybe I care about. Um, and I think the fear is oh my God, all these judging people and, and things like that. I learned to accept and own however I was going to show up. So let me, let me just create some clarity there. So sure. rather than saying I'm sweating and you know I am stuttering and I'm turning red like a tomato or something, um, rather than being upset with myself like, oh, you know, I've read all the books. This shouldn't be happening. I want to overcome this. I shouldn't. Um, now I truly, I, I don't care. I, I, I accept however, however I show up, however it is. If I'm going to sweat, I'm cool with that. I'm good. I'm, I'm told, I really am. I, I've gotten to that place because that is what I did. And I, and I love that person. And that's the person that showed up there. And I'm a, I'm a person, a human, just like everyone else. And everyone else would probably feel anxious too, which is often true. So I think once I owned it, the fear actually dissipated a little bit on its own. I stopped treating it as something that had to be fixed because a lot of times, even if we intellectually understand something, the body is wired. Like even if I'm not even nervous at all, my body will, I can go up, you know, it's reacting here. Um, but I think once we, again, you know, we, we treat ourselves, uh, you know, as if we're people we care about and not berate ourselves for not meeting expectations or whatever, um, then you naturally come across the more relaxed. You think part of that too could be gratefulness? Like you're grateful just to be alive. And just changing your focus to being in more of a Thanksgiving type of mode, a gratitude mode. What do you think? I think just being grateful. I'm just grateful to be there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just grateful to, to even speak on it. So for me, again, you know, the, the, coming back to the worrying we were talking about, it, 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 I'm just not concerned about, you know, if I'm turning red or not. You know, if I'm turning red, then I, I guess... Uh, uh, I guess that's what it is. But um, and and another important tip would be uh, talk to to groups just like you would talk to a person. 
They're not right. this big scale right. group. Talk. I mean, most people are fine in individual conversation. I mean, we're we're talking right now, right? And in a big group, I would just look at individual people and just talk to them like I would uh, in, a, exactly. in a conversation. I remember when well, I used to teach public speaking, actually, and one of the things I used to say is find a receiver in the audience and concentrate on them. Okay. <laughs> you know, don't look at the guy that has his arms crossed and he looks like he would rather be any place but there. You know? Absolutely. Now, you made a statement I'd like you to talk a little bit about, and that is, why wait until you are burnt out or for a life-changing event to occur before getting real about your life? Again, it takes sometimes, you know, something that pulls pulls us out of our um, sort of our daily habits, the noise, the to-do list. Um, whoa, now, now I'm awakened, I guess. Um, something happened. I intended that more along the lines of like career, right? You know, that's it. it most people, their careers create a lot of stress. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of people, as I mentioned, I have helped a lot with like career transitions and things like that. Think about, you know, most companies, they, they hire uh, roles and not people. Um, one thing I used to do is track turnover for companies. And then, you know, I, I used to help them, uh, you know, with programs like, you know, leadership training, things like that. Um, but it's, it's not um, that we have a work life or a personal life. It's all just mm. life. Mm. There's no separation. It's just life. And I don't want to, you know, to go every day somewhere where you're miserable. And hopefully for people who are listening, it's not the case. But um, a lot of people become very sort of complacent or stagnant and, and stay there. Could be, you know, fear or uncertainty. But um, this is your life. And, you know, if your job isn't aligning with, your priorities, then maybe you fire the job, <laughs> you know, um, you know, again, this is, there is no work life. There is no personal life. It's just you and, and the time you have here. And your purpose is to be an explorer of your, of your life. Oh, I like that. Be an explorer of your life. Now, the name of your book, The Half Known Life, challenges conventional thinking of success, identity, and personal change and it is available on all the regular channels Amazon etc yes yep. what would you like to challenge the audience with or just share as an encouragement most people when I talk to them and when you meet someone they say so what do you do or what do you do right <laughs> and, and, and it's like I am blank I'm a nurse I'm an accountant I'm a manager I'm a this and I would say that that is the purpose of the book is to get you understand what that what that means um, you know uh, as I mentioned I worked uh, I worked a lot with military um, and in the military you become the role as like a lifestyle and I always say who would you be on a deserted island would you be a general, a lawyer, a doctor? <laughs> no, it, it doesn't matter anymore. There are no roles. You're on desert island. You were just there, and you're a person, and that's it. So I, I think, I, I guess in closing, I would say, and this is the crux of the, the message, is um, you're not a noun, you're a verb. And, and hmm. 
say that's the, the general message. I like that. You are not a noun. You are a verb. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing today on Never Ever Give Up Hope. You certainly have given us some things to think about, some challenges. And again, thank you. Pleasure was mine. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.